Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode 12 of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the first few episodes of the show. For those who are listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space, or the social geography, using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history-style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to communicate the personal and social significance of a given place. And we typically end the episode with a short documentary-style piece that, over recent months, has explored the topic of social isolation, something we know all too well as a result of our lockdown experiences. These are the types of projects that you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound, and all of them are produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in comms 4501, Digital Media Production, which is a fourth year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. The last couple of episodes have been dedicated to an interview with soundscape composer Hildegard Westerkamp. Hildegard's work serves as an inspiration for not only this show and the work that comprises it, but for soundscape composers all over the world. So if you're interested in learning more about Hildegard and her work, then tune into that two-part interview that aired in episodes 10 and 11. In this episode, we'll listen to more student projects. But before we do that, we'll pause for a quick announcement by Omer Ongun. Omer is the spouse of Jihan Erdal, a sociology PhD student here at Carleton University who's been detained in Istanbul since fall of 2020. Omer's got an important message about Jihan, and he shares information about how you might get involved to help bring him back here to Ottawa. My name is Omar, and I am Jihan Ardal's spouse. Jihan Ardal is a sociology PhD student at Carleton University, an award-winning youth researcher, peace, and LGBTI plus activist. Jihan was arrested in Istanbul in September 2020 while he was conducting his research. His arrest was linked to two social media posts made seven years ago, calling to protest the Turkish government's failure to protect Kurds against ISIS massacre attempt in northern Syria. 2,500 academics and 30 international organizations, including Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, released solidarity statements for Jihan. European Parliament condemned Jihan's detention and the United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detention made inquiries to Turkey. Today in Turkey, thousands of students, journalists and intellectuals are unjustly in prison. Like other dissidents behind bars, Jihan is arbitrarily and unfairly detained. 
help us free Jihan Erdal and bring him back to his home in Ottawa, visit freejihanerdal.com and follow Free Jihan Erdal on Twitter. As Omer mentioned, if you're interested in learning more about Jihan's present status and what you can do to help out, be sure to check out the Free Jihan Erdal account on Twitter and the corresponding website. to the project. In this episode, we'll listen to an audio portrait, a soundscape composition, and a podcast. Three projects in total. The audio portrait is by Ian McRae and is on the topic of home. The soundscape composition is by Michael Walker and is called Hogsback in Winter. For those of you who are from Ottawa, I'm sure you already have a really good sense of what part of the city this project is about. And the final project is a short audio documentary by Claudia Gleason titled Forced Intimacies. In it, Claudia discusses both the joys and the difficulties of her lockdown experience, which involved moving back to her childhood home in rural Quebec. Claudia does a great job of bringing us not only into her environment, but also into her mindset and the conflicted feelings she experienced after losing the freedom and privacy that she had while living here in Ottawa. I also want to mention that Claudia's project is featured in the blog portion of the show's website, which is theplaceofsound.ca. So if you're interested in having a look at Claudia's writing, her photos, and even a short video she produced to go along with the audio documentary, then be sure to check out the blog page of the website. Okay, let's begin with Ian McRae's project, Do Nothing Place, which I'll let him introduce himself. Ian, over to you. Hello, my name is Ian McRae, and I'm a fourth-year communications and media studies student here at Carleton, and I'm also minoring in philosophy. The following audio portrait is a snippet of the interview I held with my girlfriend McKenna, where we talked a lot about what home is to her. Already knowing her super well, I was excited to have the opportunity to talk to her in a way that we weren't used to, and maybe having the opportunity to learn something new about her and the perspective she holds. What you're about to hear reveals how she sees home as a very flexible space full of work, relaxation, and family. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. I guess comfortable. Um, I definitely would think of home as definitely somewhere where I'm warm and cozy, um, somewhere that I can relax a lot. Uh, I don't know, I I guess similarly to how you'd think of like a couch or like a chair, you know, you sit, you relax everything's all the weights taken off your legs like you're just relaxed i don't know safe in a sense i'm just in my own world i guess nothing else is going to affect me um home is definitely a place where 
I can just sit and do nothing and no one's going to judge me. Um, that's where I recharge. I guess after like a long day of work, I could definitely have like a routine. It's different. It's there's things to do at home as well. Like as much as it is like a comfortable place, it's also like, okay, this is the place where I need to get things done, especially during coronavirus. It's a place where, um, you know, it's where my office is. It's where I sleep. It's where I eat. It's, it's everything. So yeah, as much as it is like a do it all place, it's also like a do nothing place. I decided to move out and live with my friend for a little while and then uh, coronavirus happened and my lease was up and then I was living with my boyfriend and then I was living with my grandparents. So home to me became much more subjective. Um, so yeah, sometimes it is seeing a dog, sometimes it is seeing my mom and dad and, and now it's seeing my grandparents, which has been amazing. But I live much more independently than I used to. So coming home isn't even necessarily seeing a single person. It's more just seeing where all my things are. Yeah, a sense of familiarity. I want my house to be um, somewhere where, like, my kids can have friends over and I can just say, hey, like, open the fridge and go grab a glass of water or, like, have a spare bedroom that's super comfortable. Like, I just want it to be a place where, like, I feel unjudged and, like, just comfortable in my own skin. But I also want it to be a place that everyone else can feel that way. Um, Because my parents definitely had that, like, open door policy growing up. So I want to have that. Um, yeah, comfy furniture. Like I don't want everything to be super modern and cold and, you know, the gray hardwood and the white walls, like as beautiful as that is, I, I just really want it to be like warm and have like a big family and, and a big table and, you know, all that. Like I want it to be super welcoming and, and inviting. The next piece is titled Hogs Back in Winter and is by Michael Walker. It's an interesting piece to include, particularly now in an episode that'll air in the middle of summer. It's also a piece that was developed pre-pandemic, about a month before all of this began. So you'll notice that there's no mention to the pandemic and the ways that it changed Michael's experience of this place, which might actually be a first for this show. Nevertheless, Michael does a great job of narrating his recordings of Hogsback and reflecting upon what the space means to him as someone who grew up here in Ottawa. Enjoy. Hogsback Park is one of the most beautiful places in Ottawa. It's a great place to hang out with friends or just unwind and relax your brain from the fast-paced grind of the city. I usually come here in the summer, but right now it's the winter. I wasn't expecting the falls to be as active as they usually are in the summer. I thought it would be a lot quieter. But the roaring sounds of the water crashing through the floodgates and into the falls is still just as loud as it is in the summer. Not too far away from the falls, they have a snack bar. My parents used to take me and my sister here as kids to buy overpriced ice cream and popsicles. All those trips here as a kid are some of my fondest memories of my childhood. Usually in the summer there are lots of people here. Some families with their kids, sometimes just cyclists who want a break, or just some people who want to sit here and just be alone with their thoughts. Right now in the winter, it's a bit eerie and lonely. There's nobody here, no voices, no people. Just the empty benches, the closed shop window, and the loud waterfalls in the background. There's a roof over the snack bar too. 
And since it's raining today, you can also hear the water rolling off the roof and hitting the snow on the ground, slowly melting away at the snow and creating puddles. It's that time of year when winter is finally starting to wrap up. There's still snow on the ground, but the weather is starting to go back into the pluses, and it's starting to rain more often than it snows. It's starting to feel a little more like spring, but not quite yet. There are a few trails around the falls that follow the river. They're usually gravel and covered by forest. The crackling and crunching of leaves, twigs, and gravel under your shoes is replaced by snow being patted down by your boots. My dad used to take me and my sister cycling here. We would put our bikes on a bike rack, put them on the car and drive here. Then we would unload them and we'd ride downtown. We would use these same pathways. There were usually other cyclists here too, or solo joggers on the trail as well. I'm assuming people still use the trails in the winter since I see boot marks and the snow on the trail is still padded down compared to what it is beside the trees. But it's not nearly as populated as it is in the summer. I'm assuming it's just people who walk their dogs here. Augsburg is very different in the winter compared to what it is in the summer. The noises of people talking, walking, kids laughing, none of that's there. Even though the waterfalls are always the most dominant sound in the area, the sounds of everybody else make it feel like it's a place for people in the community to gather. In the winter, even though it's still pretty close to houses and even Carlton, it's a lot more isolated. It's really just the sounds of nature and the natural environment. I mean, just things like puddles dripping, a few birds chirping here and there, and the crunching of snow on your boots. But they all still have the waterfall in the background. So I think as different as it feels, it also still kind of feels the same. Because no matter what all the other noise is around you, that waterfall in the background is just so powerful and such a signature of Hogsback that it still feels the same, but different at the same time. It's odd because I don't have any memories of coming here in the winter, but I still feel welcome here and it still feels familiar. I know it's the same place and it's just the changing of the seasons, but it's an odd feeling that's really hard to describe where it's just so similar, but different at the same time. My name is Claudia Gleason, and this is my podcast titled Forced Intimacies. It explores what my life was like during the initial quarantine last year, especially in relation to geography, space, feelings of regression, and forced relationships. The world is scrambling to stop the spread of COVID-19. More and more cases are popping up in countries far from the Ontarians are expected to stay home and limit contact with each other as the daily COVID count punches repeatedly above 3,000. Whether you were abroad and had to book an emergency flight out of the country or simply came home from work one evening and never went back out, Everybody has a story when it comes to COVID-19 and those confusing and chaotic early days. 
This is mine. On Friday, March 13th, I drove into Gatineau for my usual shift at work. I had borrowed my little brother's car for the week and had to drive it two hours home to him that evening. My boss offhandedly mentioned that I should consider bringing my work laptop with me, as she had begun to hear whispers about something called coronavirus and the possibility that the office would be shut down for a few days. I packed up my laptop, threw a bag of clothes for the weekend in the back seat, and headed home to Chinbro, Quebec. It is there that I stayed for the next six months. In this podcast, I will walk you through the first few months of quarantine and the implications of forced intimacies, most of which is set in my childhood home located along the Ottawa River in what is commonly referred to as cottage country. With a full-time population of 100 and cows for neighbors, my hometown is the definition of isolated. When COVID-19 hit, I had been living in Ottawa for close to three years. I lived with friends, went to class, had a stable job. I had built a life and a home here. Suddenly, within the blink of an eye, I was living with my parents again. Something I had not done since I was in high school. Something I never really thought I would do again. Last March, within a few days, my parents' house grew from three occupants to six. Where my brother was once living it up as an only child, he now had two full-time live-in siblings again. For the first while, probably for the first month, I just This is my younger brother, Abraham. Before, when I was alone, it would feel like pretty quiet and kind of nice to be honest because I felt like I had uh, control of whatever I do because I could go on the Wi-Fi as much as I want. We have a limit on our Wi-Fi, right? So I could play all my games, watch as much Netflix as I want. I'd come home and not have to worry about like, uh, like getting into a fight or something. I could just do my thing. And then when everyone came home, I felt like before I'd feel like I was coming home to like a safe place and then after felt like well I guess I wasn't really leaving in the first place but when I'd come home it'd be like who knows what's gonna happen right but it was still like fun like obviously like having you guys around it's uh it's definitely more interesting but I don't know I, I enjoy both sides of it. Where my parents were once enjoying leisurely evenings of drinking wine and relishing in their quiet house they suddenly became family peacemakers, chefs, and chauffeurs once again. And Anna moved home from McGill. The reality set in that we would be living, five of us again, in the house with online teaching, online learning. And that's when I thought, hmm, how are we going to manage this with the lack of high-speed internet living in the country. And then my mother also moved in. So basically my family went from three to six in one weekend. So your thoughts were kind of mixed. Is that fair to say? Like your feelings about it were mixed. You were happy to have all of your kids home. I was ecstatic to have everybody home. But I knew at that point that we would have to figure out our space and where we're all going to be doing our work from. By Sunday, March 15th, my maternal family quickly grew concerned that my grandmother's retirement residence would shut its doors to visitors, leaving her alone in her apartment indefinitely. They did, so she too packed her bags and headed to our place. How long did you think you were going to stay here for when you came up that one weekend? What were your expectations? 
I think I was only planning on staying for maybe a week or two. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed until the end of May, eh? Living at home when you're a teenager and living at home when you're an adult are two very different dynamics. While I still greatly cherish my parents' assistance and advice, their actual parenting job with me is more or less done. At 21, they're more like supportive characters in my life rather than disciplinarians that I rely on for my every need. And, as such, being quarantined in a space that felt like it belonged to a past version of myself was a complicated and overwhelming reality to adjust to. We all needed our own space in order to do our work and in order to have a place that we can retrieve to for some quiet time. Yeah, I think that was the biggest difficulty for me was during the day it was fine when I was doing schoolwork or when we could go outside, but then everyone was able to go back to their room and decompress and I was the only one that didn't have that because my room had been given to someone else, which is fine and I understand why that had to happen and I'm okay with that having happened, but it was a big shock to my system going from having you know, my own apartment with one other person and being completely independent to being surrounded by everyone and not having my own space. My childhood bedroom happens to be on the first floor of my family's home and due to my grandmother's hip and knee problems, I quickly found myself sleeping on a blow-up mattress at the foot of my parents' bed. I spent the better part of my 2020 in one of the most geographically expansive places that I know of. I could walk for kilometers and kilometers without coming into contact with another human being. But despite all this open space, I felt trapped, claustrophobic, and completely and utterly overwhelmed. I know I have it much luckier than some other people do. I didn't experience any financial hardship because I had my parents' home to fall back on. But it was a difficult adjustment to make. Do you remember the progression of how the room switching came about because there was a lot of it at first. There's a lot of fights about it, I remember. Well, we kept, we, we'd have like a three night rotation, right? So our room rotation went, we'd have three beds basically. Well, one's a blow mattress. So we'd have my room, Anna's room, and then the blow mattress in mom and dad's room. That's how it started. And so Claudia would take the blow mattress. I'd take my room, Anna would take her room, and then we'd all rotate for every night. So. I'd get my room two or three nights, Anna would get hers two or three nights, and you'd get one of ours for two or three nights. So you never really had your own space. That's how it started, and we'd keep switching until all three of us were kind of getting fed up, and then Anna decided to live in the basement for a bit, just on the futon. I don't know how long that lasted. I think that was probably about three weeks, two weeks, and she started getting fed up and angry, and then I decided yeah, I'd move down to the basement, and uh, so I moved down, I moved my dresser down, my closet down, everything down, my bed, for, I think I was probably about, what, two months that I was down there? I was down there for a good chunk of the summer, I think. Sleeping arrangements aside, my time in quarantine heavily revolved around family time. Found all kinds of interesting things to do. We went out for walks every day. We played games every night because grandma really liked playing games. We did TikTok videos. We did treasure hunts, and it was really good quality family time. The, the, the game nights were not fun because it was just forced to, it was forced love, right? 
quality time isn't necessarily time. Quality time is growing with your time and not just wasting your time with people, but... You know that Noah Centineo quote? It doesn't matter yeah, what you've yeah. done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what you do with what you've done for others. That's what you sound like. Reminiscing now on the fragile days of March, April, and May a year later, that first quarantine almost has a melancholy feeling to it. Keyword here being almost. It's one of those times in my life that I can look back on and say, you know, it was fine that that happened. I was really lucky to be in the situation that I was in, despite all of its flaws, but let's maybe not do it again. And that is perfectly okay. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. But before I sign off, a couple of quick notes. The first is about the new featured work section on The Place of Sound website. It's a blog that presents some of the individual projects that you'll hear or have heard on this show. On the site, you're of course able to play the audio work itself, but you can also see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with the audio. Since you can't read that writing or see those photos on the radio show, this is a great way to access it. So check that out in the blog section on theplaceofsound.ca. And the second note is that we've now put together enough episodes that there's a bit of an archive emerging. To listen back to previous episodes, you can find them in two places, on ckcufm.com or on the website at theplaceofsound.ca. But in the meantime, Keep your ear out for upcoming episodes, which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30 p.m. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Place of Sound.